and welcome to Devotions on the Psalms, Israel's Songbook, a podcast by Christ Lutheran Church in Brea, California. Pastor Bill Brunel today guides us through Psalm 10. Hello friends, this is Pastor Bill Brunel coming to you to present another in our series of meditations and devotions on the Psalms. Today we are on Psalm 10. So if you would turn to your Bibles, uh, I will be reading today from the English Standard Version. Again, here's Psalm 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him, although his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall, meet advers- I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. And hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall into his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand, forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you see, you do you see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you, the helpless commit himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. Dear friends, this is the word of our Lord. This psalm is a lament psalm, a lamentation. This is part of the genre, the different kinds of genre there are in uh, the psalms. So it basically is the type of psalm we call the complaint psalm. And why is that? Because the author of the psalm is a poet who is complaining about something in the psalm. About one-third of the psalms are lament psalms. Uh, There are, of course, other kinds, like the the praise psalms, the nature psalms, the worship psalms, etc. We've seen the psalmist complain about his adversities and his adversaries uh, on and on. He uh, complained about a drought and the faithless reaction of some Israelites who were having their faith tested by the Lord. He complains about evil men who slandered him, even uh, subtly uh, and and not so subtly, 
uh, complained that God would seem aloof or asleep or need to be roused. Uh, so is, is this David? We, we don't know if this is David or not, but is David complaining about something? Well, it, it appears to be that, yes, uh, from the very first line, the psalmist is complaining that God seems to be aloof uh, in times of trouble. And we keep on reading and we see his lengthy complaint about wicked men and such. So what about the, the lament, the lament itself? So let's try to find the lament. Uh, first of all, let's look at verse 1. Well, it's not there necessarily. Certainly there's a feeling that God is hiding from, from trouble, uh, something to lament. Uh, but that's not the main focus of the psalm. There's, there's something happening that, that the psalmist feels as though God is hiding. How about Psalm 10, verse 2? Now, that might be a little bit more promising. The psalmist uh, directs his focus towards evil men there. Uh, their actions, their words are things that make God seem so distant from the psalmist. So Psalm 10, verse 2, is the beginning of the lament in Psalm 10, and particularly uh, lament that ends in verse, verse um, 11. So what about a petition? There's always a petition in in songs of, psalms of lament. Now, let's look for the petition. Look at Psalm 10, verse 12. That's clearly a petition. The psalmist is asking God to arise. Then he doesn't ask for anything up until Psalm 10, verses 13 and 14. And then he comes right back to petitioning in Psalm 10, verse 15. He asks the Lord to break the arm of the wicked. And when we don't hear another request then until uh, later on in this psalm. So what about his confidence? There's got to be some confidence on, on behalf, on, on, on part of the psalmist as he reads this and as he writes this for us. Now, the author of a lament psalm doesn't simply complain and make requests. He also is almost always sure to express confidence in the Lord. So in verses 13 and 14, and also in verse 16, are all the psalmist's statements of confidence in the Lord. And that makes for an interesting pattern there. In Psalm 10, verse 12, there's a petition. In Psalm 10, verses 13 and 14, there's confidence. The wicked think that they're getting away with murder, but we know better. God will defend his people. God will defend the defenseless. So then Psalm 10, verse 15, there's a petition again. And Psalm 10, verses 16, there's confidence again. The Lord is king, he says there. So the psalmist alternates between requests and confidence in God uh, is, as he makes his plea. Then there's an invocation. We would consider verse 1 to be a type of invocation. There the psalmist calls out to the Lord. And in this case, it sounds almost like the psalmist is accusing God. Uh, he, he's getting into the territory that Job was in when, when Job was in so much trouble. And again, that leads us to think of how, how, patience and, how patient and merciful the Lord really is with uh, his, his small and needy creatures that he has created. He mercifully bears with his people as the perplexities of life lead us to wonder if God is really listening to us. 
So then there's a, a praise. Um, but what a change uh, we experience in this psalm. We, we start with the psalm wondering, the psalmist rather wondering why God seems to be hiding himself. That's in verse one. And we end with the praise section, which is verses 17 and 18. And that makes a lot of sense because lament psalms are ultimately the psalmist working towards mastering some crisis in his life. Then it would, it should uh, come as no surprise then that Psalm 10 goes from perplexity at a God-felt absence to praise for God, helping the author through his crisis. And then, um, so those that are, are the last two elements of the structure of the psalm, the lament psalm, are invocation and praise. So what is the underlying situation that is here uh, for the psalmist? We move on to, the, to uh, the author being moved to write the psalm because of some situation or some thought that took place in his life. First, you look to see if there is a superscription. And in this psalm, there, there is none meaning uh, title. So we need to inspect the rest of the psalm and look for clues. And if you take time to read through the psalm, what emerges is a picture of oppression of the wicked. Powerful men are oppressing and persecuting the poor, uh, the needy, the humble, the, the innocent people. And, and the psalmist notices this. this the, these wicked men have absolutely no fear of God whatsoever. They oppress the poor. They get away with it. And because they keep getting away with their injustices, they come to have a, a great amount of confidence in their belief that God really isn't aware of what they're doing. And they've actually convinced themselves that God won't punish them for the evil that they've committed. And meanwhile, the, the psalmist uh, whomever the psalmist may be, and it might be David or it might be someone else, uh, looks on onto this situation of oppression with, with continued bewilderness, uh, this injustice that's, that's happening. And, and he knows that God is just, and yet God is allowing this injustice to continue. Uh, and the question of the psalmist is, why isn't God responding? Why isn't he judging the wicked and delivering the innocent. And that, again, is, is part of the underlying situation that the psalmist is, is commenting on or finds himself in. So uh, these are the concerns that the psalmist has, and it led him, of course, to write Psalm 10. Wicked men are oppressing the innocent. That's the bottom line. God seems uh, to be inactive in the light of this, this reality. So what then is the topic? What's the psalm's main topic? And it's oppression. Oppression. So the topic of Psalm 10 is oppression. So what does the psalmist say about oppression? Well, there's a few things here. Uh, the wicked practice oppression without fear. The innocent are the unhappy recipients of that. And ultimately, God will end it. We could say that the theme is this, God will end the oppression of the wicked against the innocent. And to put it more simply, to put it in, in less words, God will end oppression. 
it seems uh, timely for the times in which we live right now. The only thing left to do is to take note of the poetic device in the psalm. And actually, that might be the most time-consuming task there is, so uh, let's not go into those details. There's a lot involved there. But again, the psalmist feels helpless. He feels forsaken. Why is God not answering? Where is he? Why won't he come to our aid? Now, one thing in Psalm, that's in Psalm 10, verse 1, one unmistakable feature of Hebrew poetry is what we call parallelism, standing afar off and hiding oneself in two different ways of saying the same thing. So why did the Hebrew poet use parallelism? Well, one benefit of this practice is that it forces you to stop and to think and to meditate on what the psalmist is communicating. Since the scriptures place some level of importance on meditation, it makes sense that the author uses a repetition like this to slow you down, uh, to make you stop and think about what he is really saying. And isn't that really a good lesson for us today? Because uh, things uh, are, are so fast, uh, even though during COVID-19, we've had to kind of slow down in some ways. Uh, it's good for us to, to slow down, to take time away, to meditate on God's word, to pray, obviously, to think upon uh, those things that would be God's thoughts, of course, that are in his word, and to uh, just have time away, uh, time to think, time to, to reflect on all the good things that God has done. And this, my friends, is, is our uh, commentary on Psalm 10. So will you please uh, bow your heads and pray with me. Dear gracious Father, we thank you for the, the word that speaks to us today. In Psalm 10, we see that uh, it is part of the psalmist petition that you will end oppression, and we know that you will, Lord. But we live in a world that's that's uh, upside down, it's topsy-turvy because of our sin. We ask, Lord, that uh, in the midst of all the things that, that uh, our members and, and people around us are going through right now, that you will be exalted, that you will be glorified in what you will be doing through the situation with not only the COVID-19 situation, but also with the unrest in the streets. Father, uh, you are King of all. You are Lord of all. And we ask, Lord, that uh, you manifest yourself right now to give your message to your people and that your people would, in turn, share that message with others, that you are in charge, that things are not out of control, that you are in control. And so we commit ourselves into your care. We trust, Lord, in your great mercy. And we thank you for all your love that's expressed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We ask it in his strong and precious name. Amen. Dear friends, we'll see you next week as we continue our series on the Psalms. Thank you for joining us. As a reminder, follow Christ Bray on all social media outlets and visit ChristBray.org.